Hi everyone, I'm Joby Remini from seekingbalance.com.au. Today my guest speaker is Josh Fieldstein and he is a jazz musician with a number of really interesting skills up his sleeve that I want to introduce to you, my listeners, my community. Today we're going to be talking not just about jazz music, but about our brain and about connecting to our body and about entering the mystery of presence and the portal of the pause where we don't really know what's coming next and we enter this stance of improvisation called life. And this is actually a really potent and central part of healing and the Rocksteady program path that a lot of my community are going through their modules and learning how to reset, rewire and reorganize their neural system. And it's not linear. So this is one of those conversations that's taking us off on a little divergent path of non-linearity. Josh, thank you for your time and welcome to the call today. Thank Um, you, Jill. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about how neuroscience became a thing for you, your journey with music? Obviously, this will be the brief, but a little a little summary of how how you've got to be here on this topic. As a jazz drummer and musician since I've been a, a boy, Uh, I had a parallel interest in philosophy and martial arts, Mm. uh, meditation, uh, Tai Chi, holistic medicine. And what happened was in parallel, these uh, two different, uh, but really combined uh, energies Mm. have become very central to my life. And so there was really a, a, a very natural holistic integration between uh, the psychic realm mm. and the musical realm that just always was uh, was one uh, for me. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed as a musician myself, um, and without analyzing it too much, but just noticing in my body on, and surfing actually has a similar impact, but when I'm psychologically not present with myself and I'm, I, I'm feeling doubts or I'm comparing myself to others or I'm not feeling that connection to the music and I'm lacking confidence, it's just interesting how my entire body responds differently and it's clunky um, and very much more in the head. And other days when I'm just completely in the music and I'm dancing the music and the music's dancing me and all the muscles relax, I'm a fiddle player, a violin, fiddle player. Um, I really, I feel the tonality, everything changes because somehow that psychology and spirituality and emotionality is starting to really enter my body. And it's like a a surrender or a yielding, which again is that sort of martial arts language. Um, Can you talk a little bit about the parallels with some of the Eastern traditions, martial arts, and uh, you've touched upon meditation before we clicked record. Um, when, when you think about jazz, because that's the art form that I play, jazz, Joey, is really structured generally uh, in terms of uh, a form. The music, the song has a particular form. There are many different uh, types of forms that jazz uh, songs have. Yeah. And then within that structure, there's a chunk of the song that's completely improvised. And that's where one or more musicians within the band 
play a solo. So what makes jazz really cool is that you can take the same group of musicians and the same song and you'll never ever have that song come out the same twice. Yeah. It just isn't like that. Because not just uh, will the, the solos be different, mm. but the interaction between the musicians mm. will also vary. Mm. The energy will change. The emotional dynamic will change. The tempo will never be quite the same. The vibe will alter somewhat. And so there's this sort of harmonization among the musicians and the level of harmonization, I don't mean that in a musical sense, I mean that it's sort of like an integration sense. That integration is going to vary from take to take, song to song, performance to performance. Mm. And to the degree that the, as you described it, the musicians' hearts are open, mm. their ears are open, and there's the dynamic energetic flow connectivity amongst the musicians, mm. different things happen within that song. Yeah. And it's very real, very, very real. Yeah. If, if a musician or a group of musicians walk into uh, a recording date or a performance and they're in their head and their hearts are closed and they're just reading music and it's just like this, yeah. you're gonna play notes and you'll hear the song and you won't hear much more. Yeah, and I, I almost feel, I have so much to say on this topic. The reason we're talking about this for my, for my listeners who largely you're living with um, some kind of chronic discomfort, chronic symptom, could be dizziness, vertigo, tinnitus, anxiety, depression. You might be thinking, Josh, Joey, where are you going with this? As we sort of fall into this place of surrender, of learning about neuroplasticity and understanding our role in enabling this innate reorganization that is possible when we come home to our body and we open our hearts and we open our ears and we actually live in the world. It's almost like what Josh is talking about in this microcosm of a jazz band. We can enter the world with our hearts open and our body language receptive as we begin to sense and feel and dance and flow in the world, they're actually the same skills. And I'm a more of a folk traditional musician and very much community, not professional. So it's quite hilarious, the music that comes out of some of the, um, you know, communities and things that I've traveled with. And we joke around sometimes because we do a similar thing. You'll have a set song and then we'll say, okay, you know, mandolin solo, a fiddle solo, or, you know, bongo solo, whatever. And the musicians will give it a, give it a go. And it's so scary and so courageous. And, you know, it's, it's such a vulnerable and beautiful community event where everyone's listening and sort of cheering for each other. And, you know, you can do it. That was great. And um, so we have a joke. Sometimes we go, everybody's solo and everybody goes random all at once at the same time. <laughs> And you can imagine actually the energy that brings and the life force and the joy, as well as this sense of welcome and yes to whatever note is played, to whatever rhythm is played, to whatever key is played, to whatever word is sung. There's no rigid patriarchal agenda of how it should sound. And that is a great way to live life. Um, what do you have to say on that? I can feel... Finish your sentence. You can feel. Oh, okay. I can, I can feel your responsiveness edging in. I just didn't want to 
talk over the top of you if there was something alive in you in that moment? So that's a wonderful uh, example of having the freedom to really de-identify the ego from from the output of of the creative process, Mm. right? Part of the difficulty in getting to a, a higher level of performance is being able to surrender your ego, yeah. surrender your judgment, self-judgment, self-editing, self-criticism. That's a whopper, Joey. Yeah. And it's not just about music. It's about every aspect of life. I was just about to say de-surrender. Was that the word you used? De-surrender? The Surrender. Ego. Surrendering you the ego. Completely. Life. Yeah, you have to, because here we have a discussion that's taking place. If I walked into this discussion with particular pictures, ideas, frameworks in my mind about what this has to be, Hmm. it's never going to flow. But if I walk into this with a general sense of what, you know, topics where we're but I just let it happen and I'm listening to you and I'm responding energetically and you're triggering me and I'm thinking that, and if I say something great, it comes out perfect, that's nice. If it doesn't quite come out perfect, we keep talking and I try to clarify it and you ask a question and blah, blah, blah. And, and now, now there's a flow happening mm. that's completely different as compared to structured, it's gotta be this way, that, uh, it's not, oh, I didn't do that, that wasn't good, I meant to have it like that, it didn't come out the way I, there's no flow. Yeah, it's a censorship. Oh, should I say this? And I feel like that really goes, you've just given a great description also of people who go down this route of, of healing or recovery and they're doing rigid exercises, they're repeating the same things all the time that somebody else has given them and it's just so boxed in and the body doesn't have this freedom to dance and and for want of a better word you know feel the music moving where more neurons can reorganize and participate when there's the structure and expectation and shoulds where constricted go ahead a quick comment on that so i would say to your audience that's a phase in the process Everybody needs to start with some type of organized systematic structure. You have to have that. You can't start in the nonlinear, otherwise you will go in circles. But if you start with some type of a linear process and you get that down, once you get to the point where you're starting to feel, okay, I got this and it's the same old, then you have to start taking a little bit of the structure away. And now you have to start taking some chances. Now you have to start building intuition. You have to start trusting with intuition and trust comes a little bit of anxiety and a little bit of fear and like, Oh my God, is this going to work? Is, am I going to do something bad? Is this going to, uh, huh? and all this noise starts that has to be observed. That has to be watched from the perspective of, you know, mindfulness or the observer has got to watch this Mm. and just let it be. Mm. Don't identify with it and keep working through it. So as a person journeys on, on the road towards improvisation and neuroplasticity, they are going to be taking steps that are going to be novel, mm-hmm. that are going to be unstructured, that are going to be uncertain, 
that are going to feel weird, that may feel uh, um, uh, uh, scary. Yeah. Why? Because you're now dropping, you're dropping into a, a realm where there's less structure. Hmm. Okay. But guess what? When you learn how to play in that realm of less structure, that's where that's where all this deeper stuff starts to come out, right? You can't get to that stuff with structure. Structure doesn't let it come out. You're pushing it down. You got to let that out. And then something deeper, something more holistic, something more organic, something more spiritual comes out of the stillness. It It emerges. That's how it happens. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much richness in this conversation. And, you know, as you're talking, it's like I can see the sort of river flow, if we use that metaphor of, of life force or um, creativity that's alive in the body. And when we are very much stuck with ideas, agendas, outcomes, rigid structure, which is actually how the rock steady process starts. It's like, here's some exercises, try them out. And then as you get onto it, make them your own. You know, it's about creating your own way, but starting somewhere. And as Josh said, we have to learn how to observe. We have to learn how to feel in the body. We have to learn all of those ground level skills to then further and further surrender and fall back into that magic within us that we all have as human beings. And it's like, it's like I could see this sort of the rivers getting blockaded at all these agendas and outcomes and shoulds and um, judgments. And as we begin to have the courage and bravery to step into presence where none of that really is relevant and we can be, be observant and be present. Receptivity seems like a really big word here. Be receptive to what the senses are taking in in that moment and really let that river open up and flow more so that there's more participation neurologically in the whole body rather than maybe having it limited up here to just the section of our head that's full of doubts and anxiety and worries, we're getting access to more of our internal power. Um, And there's a level of intensity, I think, that also we're building up. We're learning how to hold that intensity of feeling truly present um, because I think as a coping mechanism, many of us in life have become, become numb and we're we're restricting that level of intensity in our body because it feels too much or overwhelming. So I suppose it would be um, important to mention it's a step-by-step baby building process of maybe the solo starts at two seconds and you build it up to a a five-second solo. And I know with our community groups, sometimes they'll say on the violin, just stick with one note or stick with one string, just give it a go. Um, And having that level of freedom to, to make baby steps, to do something new and novel that can feel not quite right, awkward, clunky, scary, um, but not hopefully not overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to touch upon what you mentioned, this place of stillness. And I'm a really big lover of the pause, you know, having the capacity to pause and digest whatever's around me. I'm curious, tell me more about your experience of the stillness and how the magic comes through the stillness. From a place of meditation, when you can place your attention, your concentration on, for example, your breathing, 
the in-breath and the out-breath. And just watch the in-breath and the out-breath while monitoring the, the voice in the head that chatters and talks and chatters and chatters. But don't identify with that. You keep bringing your attention back to your breathing. That allows the sense of stillness to begin to manifest so that you can touch it, you can see it. You can either visually sense it, you can sense it in your body. You can pay attention at the same time to what you hear. So in every moment, Joey, there are sounds that we are hearing. Yeah. But are we hearing them? Are we aware that our body is breathing? Are we in any way conscious of the voice in the head and the emotional state or the mood that we're carrying in our physiology? Emotions just manifest in the body. Yeah. Are we watching them or are we stuck to them? So these are little tricks, whether it's breathing, whether it's sounds, whether it's tuning into an emotion, whether it's observing thoughts, whether it's feeling the body, the energy in the body, the temperature of the body, the tension in the body, the body in the chair, the body walking. These are all components of mindfulness. And as human beings, if we can pay more and more attention to these um, components of our organism, you're going to move more and more to that, to that place of stillness inside because it's from that still place that you observe all the stuff that's moving outside. Yeah. Yeah. So that is a component in meditation. It's possible to go deeper and deeper into that place of being the observer, the witness consciousness. And there are many, many, many um, uh, teachers of, of all of this uh, important meditative and spiritual stuff uh, around the world. So I'm not here to, to uh, um, uh, re recast what, what these great teachers are talking about. But what I would like to say is that as a person becomes more focused on being mindful and being aware in the moment, mm. the less they become identified with the anxiety, the noise, the feeling, the tension, and that sense of separation of the observer and what is being externally observed grows and that pause that you identified, that space, that gap between the two gets a little bigger and a little bigger and a little bigger. And that space is the magic from which improvisation, spontaneous activation, brain plasticity, all of that comes out of that space. Yeah. And um, so my, my, my listeners are very familiar with what you're talking about because these concepts are really central to the rock steady process and they're learning to body scan as well. So that'll be a physical sensory sort of connection as well as begin to increase their awareness of thoughts and their emotions and their spirituality and their beliefs. And they're going through a process of, of self-inquiry and learning what's in their inner world. And it's interesting. I, I love this handwork you did of um, the seer and the seen is the language we would use in yoga. We're, we're both the seer and we're the seen. We're both. And I love this language with your hands of the spaciousness. And 
I think part of meditation or spirituality or growth evolution is expanding. You know, we're not on this planet to contract. We're learning how to hold the intensity and how to show up in life with more softness. This is my language and expansiveness and spaciousness. And what I want to bring forth for the listeners is it's all very well to see things. Oh, I can see my tinnitus. I can see my dizziness. I can see my body. But if that space is filling up with hatred and annoyance and judgment, then we're not in the practice of presence or stillness or mindfulness. We're still in that hooking and that clinging to how we think it should be and the judgment and the outcomes and the agendas. And I just sort of wanted to speak that frankly because that can be where a lot of people trip up and get stuck and they're like, I'm doing everything, I'm body scanning, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I've got my bedside exercises, you know, nothing works. And I think it's because as Josh beautifully demonstrated with his hands, as we create this space, what are we filling up with? And that's really in the Rocksteady program language where we're starting to explore avenues of receptivity and yielding and creating an environment where we're open to exploring loving kindness, compassion, peacefulness, what, whatever qualities people choose, they're learning how to capture more of those experiences in the space. And when we're brave enough, I think what Josh is really alluding to is if we can hold the mystery itself and be present with what comes in without judgment, that's, that's sort of a, another scary step of not knowing what's coming, what's going to pass through, what's going to enter our experience, but can we be willing to non-judgmentally be aware of what's emerging and what's arising in that spaciousness and in that pause? And with time, our creativity starts to flow. I think we start to really unhook little, 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 little more and a little more away from all those agendas and ideas of what we think we should be or should doing or should be feeling and we start to show up with what is just arising and what is emerging because um, what can seem like a simple concept can actually be quite a journey of uncovering all of these hidden protection and defense mechanisms that we have very cleverly adapted and built up over a lifetime of um, doing the best we can with the capacity and resources we have, but it can be clunky to find that stillness. Do you have any personal examples you'd be willing to share perhaps um, of your journey and perhaps some of the clunkiness with the stillness and, and moments of like, oh, wow, that was different or other moments of I just can't get there today. Um... Well, the, the nature of consciousness is that it ebbs and flows and everybody who is on this path has got to understand that there are going to be days where you're going to feel more in phase and you're going to have days where you feel less in phase. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Some of it's from inside out, some of it's from outside in. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, if you're walking around and there's a severe thunderstorm outside, it's very difficult to have your, your energy patterns, you know, harmonized. It's just, there's just too much disruption in the energy fields. So I just want to make that, that point. The, the other thing is you, you were talking, Joey, about people who are looking at symptoms of uh, tinnitus, vertigo, anxiety, et cetera, and they're doing all the things right. And then they're angry, frustrated that, you know, things aren't changing. It's not getting better, et cetera, et cetera. 
that commentary in the head has to be watched just as carefully and it's separated from just as much as the tinnitus or the vertigo or this feeling of anxiety or the tension in the body. So you're watching the physiologic thing, you're sensing the physiologic thing, and then you hear the grumbling in the head. That is just as much something to separate from as the physiologic experience. They have to both go together. You guys know that. Mm-hmm. So it's very important that, that that component, now how do you do that? Focus on your breathing. Focus on your breath. So while you're watching your breath go in and out and you, you're, really fo- you're really focusing, I don't mean for like two minutes. I mean, like that's what you do during the day. Focus on your breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, Eckhart Tolle talks a lot about putting yourself in, in, a, in a space where there's, there's no talking in the head, that all the talking in the head goes away. You wanna know how advanced you are as a spiritual being, how, how much or how little noise do you have in your head at any given time? Mm-hmm. If you can get to the point where you've got a lot of quiet going on in there, moving in the right direction, and that's a much more advanced place. Mm-hmm. But that's what happens is the stillness gets more and more, the pause, as you like to say, or the space gets bigger and bigger. The quiet increases. So I just wanted to make that point. I want to offer a very, very um, uh, unusual exercise for people to consider. I'm smiling because what I'm about to say is we're we're really going to make a left hand turn here. (laughs) As a drummer, uh, I have uh, dexterity with, with both of my hands and with both of my feet. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I can listen and I can talk. Now, that's kind of unusual. It doesn't sound like very much, but it's not an easy thing to be able to do is, you know, one thing with one hand, another thing with another hand, and then two feet, listening, talking, communicating at the same time. That takes a little bit of what they call, you know, independence in terms of all the different parts of the brain. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I am somewhat mixed handed. There are a lot of things I will do righty. There's a lot of things I will do lefty. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of unusual. A few years ago, I, I liked doing uh, cartooning. So I, I, I was doing a lot of my, my cartooning right-handed. And then I, I thought, you know, what would it be like to do my cartooning left-handed? So I literally switched hands. Mm-hmm. And I began drawing cartoons lefty. I did caricatures, I did cartoons. No pre-thought, just let it out. Mm. And it was the craziest, funniest stuff I'd ever, ever come up with. And it was completely off the wall. Mm. It was like another person inside of me was coming out. Why? Because I was accessing a completely different side of the brain, different connections Mm. here. It was one set of wiring here. It was the other set of wiring that I'd never played with. And to this day, I do all of my caricatures and cartooning lefty, all of it. Mm-hmm. So what was this? What was the message there? I opened up some neuroplasticity. Mm-hmm. I tried to make some connections happen that I never, never dreamed of. And out came this entire burst of stuff that was like, this is crazy. Mm. And it was fun. Mm. So it's that type of try something new. Put yourself in this position of, that's weird. This doesn't feel good. Get past that. Try things that are unusual. Try things that you haven't done before. 
and be open to what you feel and where it takes you, you may be very surprised. Yeah, and that right side of our brain for most of us holds a lot of our creativity and memories and um, abstract thought that we that it's possible we're not in so much connection with because the left side of the brain is very dominant with language and logic and mathematics and um, so it's not super simple how the brain's organized but when we are using different body parts and shifting how we move it absolutely changes where the brain is more active and which neural networks are in communication and union with each other which is why I think I have been so enjoying dance and even dance in daily life you know putting on the kettle boiling water filling up the water filter jug or being with my children and just letting my body have a sense of dance and impulse with its daily movements um and then also noticing when my body is more moving on block or more conservatively or there's just a tension patterns or, or something and actually if i wanted to i could even link that with some of this observing about thoughts and emotions and whatever might be just in my subconscious in the background um but, you know, coming back to all of these plays and novelty, play and novelty are huge for neuroplasticity. So thank mm. you for bringing that in um, as a reminder. When we can access playfulness, which means there's no agenda, there's no gold medal, there's no monetary prize. When we can do things for the sake of play, we really access a safe part of our limbic system where the brain is like, okay, this is not life-threatening. I'm not on the chopping block. I can be free to explore here. So that's really, really important to wherever possible, bring in this aspect of playfulness, childlike innocence, curiosity always. Um, and yeah, using our body differently. And, and in the Rocksteady program, there are lots of different foot positions to get you started with how can you just be in your body differently to mix it up and to challenge the brain and the neural networks to get a bit savvy with the reflex systems and and how can we actually be better at being off center? You know, how can we tilt over that left hip and be off kilter, but have the brain navigate back to our center? So we're really strengthening in the body with novelty, with play, can put music on and really build our sense of center and balance and strengthen those internals because it's it, it's quite complex. Um, and I, I think it's important to understand we don't have to understand every neural synapse or every neurotransmitter the details don't matter so much as the process of ideally enjoying being in the body and enjoying being playful go for it a comment on this so as a musician i share this with your listeners for, for what it's worth mm. after a performance uh a jazz musician will go through uh a process uh, of, of kind of settling down. And what happens is that, this is true for any uh, artist, but I can speak from my own experience in, as, a, as a performer. So when you're uh, in the midst of the performance and there are going to be segments in all the different songs where there's going to be soloing and there's going to be exchange between the, the, the musicians, when uh, you're in a place of your heart is open, your ears are open, you're, you're feeling the energy, you're communicating musically, rhythmically, melodically, harmonically with your, with your bandmates. There is this flood of 
neurotransmitters, the good feeling stuff mm. that takes over in the body. And this is available to everybody if they can open up all of this creativity and let things flow. Mm. These good neurotransmitters uh, do their thing. Mm. And I have had experiences after performances where I've literally felt stoned for mm. 18 hours. Yeah. I mean, I'm quite literal because there's so much juice comes out of the brain and the hormone system from just being in that place at such a high level that you realize that there's all this magic that can, can flood the body mm. and pain goes away, mm -hmm. worry goes away, digestive issues go away, thinking about finance problems and relationships and family and all the crap of life. You can literally take a pause on all that because all of these good feeling uh, hormones are now flooding the body. Well, they got there, they're already in there. You just have to let them out. You have to find a way, as you've described very eloquently, to trigger all of the openness and let this stuff flow. Mm. When this stuff flows, you feel good. Yeah. And look, some of it is not pure, actually, a bunch of it's not purely in our control. So there's this push-pull of, of surrender and, and relinquishing control, as well as co-creating and setting up as many conditions as possible to make it more likely. And, you know, ideally, not always possible, but, but having like-minded others, peers, who can somehow share these experiences with us and laugh together, you know, a few good belly laughs. And the music is a great way or dance or any form of creativity really could be useful ways to bounce off each other and be receptive and be in relationship. So it's not all alone and head down and bunkering. And, um, you know, as you were talking about that incredible oxytocin love feeling, um, you know, it brought me back to birthing my first baby and I was on an incredible high for six months. And part of that was because, I was actually so afraid of giving birth that it was this enormous relief when it was a beautiful home birth in the water. It was really, really no pain at all, just completely oxytocin. The body did it. I didn't do anything. I just observed it. I breathed through it and it was a remarkable experience. And um, I had this hormonal chemical neurotransmitter high that literally lasted for six months and it was weird you know I was almost like I didn't know how to be with that but um and then of course I at some point it all crashed back down and I I sort of found my way but it's just it's fascinating how we can explore these states and these feelings and we can actually stay with them and get curious and that's what I did after that birth I explored that state and I stayed with it and I let my brain engage with it repeatedly throughout the day. So, it, so it's sort of like it kept regenerating itself. And because I was in a social um, connection with my husband and my baby and now with my two sons, I'm actually getting that reciprocity and that validation and that social belonging and social cohesion where I'm in connection with others too. And I think as part of the neuroplasticity journey, I'm just starting to realize how, yes, of course, self-study is vital and no expert can tell any other person what their neurons are doing or what they're feeling or what they should do to make that, you know, it's a very personal self-inquiry process of, I feel what's going on for me and I feel how I can best meet that and support that 
and be present with that. So self-study, you know, has really been the flag I've been flying for 10 years now. And suddenly I'm like, wow, but being in social belonging and social togetherness and social respect and social validation is also so pivotal and important for our brain. We have to feel that even with all of my tenderness and my awkwardness and my quirkiness, I belong here and the tribe accepts me. And that's where having community and peer group and that's we've actually started changing the Rocksteady program to meet that neurological need so that there's more peer support, peer validation um, and this sense of sacred reverence for wherever we are on this journey of pause, um, you know, creating space to welcome in whatever's arising with yes, yes, welcome and yes. Um, I really feel music offers so much for the journey. Um, and I don't necessarily mean you need to be a musician to benefit from music. Would this be a good time to perhaps give a little a little music share from the Verve Ensemble? I'd be happy to. Yeah, I'm going to share my audio. So let me do that up here. Would you like me to give a little background on the band to uh, for your listeners? They probably are not familiar with who we are and what we do. Yeah, give us a short intro and then I'm going to play Midnight in the Air when you're ready. Sounds great. So the Verve Jazz Ensemble is a U.S.-based uh, jazz group. Uh, I formed the band in uh, 2006 uh, in the Connecticut uh, area in the United States. And uh, in 2012, we recorded our first album. Uh, we had quite a following locally for many years. And the, uh, the album was very well received on uh, U.S. Uh, radio. Uh, we have subsequently recorded eight albums, and uh, we have a number one uh, jazz radio uh, record from 2018, and we've got like five top 10 albums. So we've done really, really well uh, as an ensemble in the United States on radio, and we've developed a worldwide following now, and we're on Spotify, and we perform nationally in the United States. Uh, and um, the focus of our music is uh, jazz, uh, that's rooted in what we call the hard bop era, Joey. And this is the phase of jazz from like the late 1950s, right around 1960. And we take melodies from that era and we reinterpret them uh, with our own voicing. Uh, it's got a contemporary component, but our uh, goal is uh, to make jazz listenable to both uh, people who are new to jazz that don't know jazz, because jazz is not very popular anymore. Jazz used to be popular, but it's not a very popular music now. So we try to make our music uh, uh, accessible and enjoyable to people who are new to jazz, as well as people who are aficionados and, and really know their thing. So we, we try to cover the entire spectrum from new listeners to very experienced jazz uh, listeners at the same time. Great. So I'm going to start this track a little bit in. We're at the, sort of at the 35 second mark. But if at any point you can identify when the improvisation kicks in, that could also be curious for listeners to understand when the structure's starting to get a little um, 
looser and the and the musicians are starting to to bounce off each other i'd be happy to the, the structure here is that there was a brief introduction which you're going past then it's going to start at the what we call the head of the song or the beginning of the song you're going to hear a flute who is going to be carrying the melody and after the melody of the song is completed it, you're going to hear a solo and i will speak over it quietly so that you can i don't want to interpret this you know what what the soloist is doing but i'll point it out perfect and in a sense i want you to as listeners feel feel free to let your body move if you feel like you want to move i want to really bring you out of your box of shoulds and rigidity and let your body impulse guide you let the mind rest let the body guide you and feel your way through this like let the music touch you and just see what see what arises here we are the verb jazz ensemble Tarantino. Piano, and drums are listening. I've got some points in the background. Piano solo. Are you just listening to a trio? Piano, bass, and drums. Piano, bass, and drums. Everyone soloing? Not in this song, though. No. Okay. Just selected. So here the piano player is having to trust fingers and the impulse of the body to find their way out of trouble. Where are they going? We're going to the back end of the song. Here comes the interesting is at the end of that song 
ah, that last long tone. Ah. I played the hi-hat, three splashes or four splashes, cha, cha, cha. I, that was just like, I don't know where that came from. And I've listened to that a number of times. And sometimes I think it sounds good. And sometimes I don't like it. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> but that's what came out. So, <clears throat> and that was recorded. So I said, okay, that's what I recorded. Now, the reason I mentioned that is for your listeners, just because something comes out that you didn't plan doesn't mean it's bad. Mm. I really, really, really would like people to think about that point. Is you can have a certain idea in your head about the way you think things should go. And then in the moment, for whatever the reason, something else comes out. There's going to be that voice inside always that says, that's not what I planned. That was, oh, that's wrong. That's not good. Is it? It's still musical, but it wasn't what you thought, or it is something that's a little different than what you expected. But is it bad? No, it's just different than what you thought. So that, that openness is something that I, over the course of years, have had to learn yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this comment on this point. There was a very, very famous, very, very famous jazz pianist who said, I've been listening to my mistakes on records for 40 years. Mm. So even people with massive amounts of creative experience, things come out that they didn't expect. Are they critical of it? Uh, don't do that. Let it come out. Just because you didn't expect to do it that way doesn't mean it's not cool. Yeah, and then we've been talking a little bit in the Rocksteady community about this, these paradoxes and being able to hold both perspectives, that one part of us might be really swimming and living in the world of judgment and that part of us has a lot of language around good, bad, better, worse, normal, abnormal, and so on and so forth. And another part of us is truly exploring non-judgment and being with things as they are, noticing, sensing, feeling, giving color, texture, shape, form. And this is actually more right brain, more abstract and being with it without the need to judge. So really coming at things from a loving, kindness, compassion, welcome, yes energy. You know, if I could summarize it in one word and actually zeroing back to that birth story, basically my only birth preparation I did was yes. Like what I was practicing in my pregnancy, whatever I feel, I'll just say yes to it. And I'll give my neurons that yes signal. Yes. Welcome. And honestly, I had no birth pain and the baby came out and it was just like, that's it. Um, But I, I believe it was that yes energy. I was giving the neurological signal of welcome. And so that's what we're practicing. And it doesn't mean that it's wrong to have judgment. We're living and swimming in a world of judgment and it's sort of part of our reality. So how can we hold both the, the paradox, how can we hold both polarities and have this expansive spaciousness for the fullness of the experience? That, yeah, part of me might be going, why am I doing that drumming? And the other part's like, cool, I let it flow. There it was. Um, so just to wrap up, I want to sort of bring that, thank you for the music, by the way, so enjoyable. Um, I want to bring it back. So if, if you're a Rocksteady participant and 
you've got your exercises and you start with the structure and you do whatever you're doing, whether it's a standing exercise or a written exercise or an emotional um, bonus audio or something like this. You've got the structure to start with. And I'm thinking just like the jazz music, can you enter in with the structure and get yourself a container and a foothold? And then just notice if part of your, your randomness and your creativity and your humanness starts to take you off on a little by a little journey off to the side and really allowed that space for that creativity and that mystery and that improvisation and then you know you might get a little bit lost there and then you might come back to the structure and you might complete whatever the process is that you're in and just like that really long note at the end of josh's song or tune to once you've finished your process or whatever it is that you're consciously doing and exploring for yourself to really sit with the after effect of that and let your neurology and your neuron synapses keep the song alive within you before you go off and do the dishes or pick up the kids or start worrying about the next bill, you know, and then life takes over. How can we have that after pause and that rest and that stillness and that place to let the harmonic be resonant? And I think in a sense, that's what I played with after birthing my son with the six months of this highs. I allowed the resonance to actually keep being in harmonic. I was really keeping it alive within me and revisiting and exploring that felt sense that was novel for me and very new. So I wanted to sort of break that down into so almost a jazz um, demonstration or example of how we can play with some of these neuroplasticity tools and techniques and allow some of the mystery, the stillness, the pause, the creativity, the improvisation to enter and the structure to hold us. So we have a clear beginning and a clear end. That's also really useful, just like a song or a tune. Josh, any closing words for our listeners today on any topic at all? You know, I would encourage uh, a sense of playfulness uh, and creativity in just about everything. Yeah. If you want to try to find that improvisation, you know, you can do this even with doing the dishes, cleaning the kitchen, yeah. uh, working in the garden, driving in the car. It's a matter of just taking a shift of your consciousness and playing with what you're doing. Don't worry about the traffic. Don't worry about the, the, the light patterns. Don't worry about whether you get to, you know, can you, can you leave stuff laying in the, in the sink for an extra three hours and it's cool? You know, do you feel neurotic about having to deal with X, Y, and Z and Q things? Otherwise, everything's wrong. What happens if you don't? What happens if it just sits there? What do you feel about all that? And you say, that, hey, a friend of mine has an expression. She says, dust keeps. Okay. So there are so many different shifts that are possible in our daily life. You don't have to be a musician to be able to get into the improvisational state. You can improv brushing your teeth. Use your left hand instead of your right hand. Put a little, you know, this, change the lighting. You know, brush your teeth in a different area. Do something different. Yeah. Every little thing you do opens up a different level of improvisation. It's literally that easy. I love that. That is just such a perfect way 
to wrap this conversation up and you know something as simple as cleaning our teeth with the opposite hand or in a new room or even like a new toothpaste flavor just it everything awakens new neural pathways whether it's the sensation on the tongue or the movement of the opposite arm or just taking in the environment of the new room that everything is creating a new neural map and as we're consciously actually trying to deprogram and move away from very old habitual heavy patterns that that have probably gotten us to the pickle we're in um, anything novel can really help bring new neural mapping and new neural integration new neural synapses that we're consciously cultivating from a more non-judgmental mindful unbiased loving kindness compassion place so they are fantastic examples josh thank you um, i know i've come to love hanging out the laundry um, in Australia, we don't use the dryer so much. We dry just, you know, with the sun or whatever. And um, I've I've grown to love hanging out laundry and just seeing all the colors of the clothing and, um, you know, the cuteness of the little baby things and watching my three-year-old children are so natural at play. Like it's 24-7 play. It's just amazing. You know, he'll wear his pajamas all day long just because they're fluffy and soft. And we're like, sure, why not? I mean, can't argue with that. It's fluffy and soft. And there's just such an experimental attitude to everything. Um, and I think coming back to those reminders of being and really flirting with life and being in love with life again, these are all reminders to live well and to reclaim our aliveness and to really hold with sacred reverence those parts of us that may feel numb and frozen or run off there dissociated or you know really tense and fighting and we're bringing all of those parts of ourselves home with loving care um and there are they're a very welcome part of our humanity and our human process so it's all there and i want to really encourage people if it's resonant for you to find your creative flow whatever medium that is let music be part of your process if that calls to you and speaks to you create a playlist of music that just makes you feel good and lets your body move that's building new neural pathways too josh thank you so much um before we wrap up can you just uh for our podcast listeners give us some url links or some some ways to find you or your music if it calls for people uh, the website for our band is uh, verve, V-E-R-V-E hyphen jazz.com. Uh, and uh, you can find us on Spotify and uh, uh, Apple Tunes and all, all the major uh, streaming servers. So check out our website. Uh, listen to our music if you'd like on Spotify. We uh, love to hear from people. Uh, and if you're interested in being on our mailing list or sending me an email with a question or a comment, we always love to hear from people. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And for those of you listening today who are new to my community and want to check me out, I'm Joey Remini. Visit seekingbalance.com.au. My Rocksteady community and Rocksteady program really have a comprehensive support community, not just the tricks and tools and educational resources for how to get started and how to continue and how to stay motivated but i think this peer support and peer belonging is really really key for the brain learning a new way and a new culture um, and that's what we're creating is a new culture of how to be in the world um, collectively so so it's beautiful and actually it's exciting the rocksteady community has really nourished me 
Um, and I'm so grateful for all of my community members. So my dear listeners, it's a bye for now. And thank you so much, Josh. Thank you.